All right. So, um, Jordan Scope, right? Yeah, like stop. Scott. Oh, stop. Right. Stop foul balls. Scott foul balls. Jordan Scott. Yes, there you yes. go. Um, for my listeners, welcome. Um, we this is a recorded, not live. I apologize. Uh, we can't do live because the StreamYard site has crashed, which I'm happy that I did it now and not when I was doing two other interviews this morning because that would have been a whole nother issue. Um, I have a very awesome guest here. Um, this guy reached out to me on. Um, matchmakers uh so definitely want to plug that in for people that are just starting out like me podcasters building fan bases matchmaker is a great platform to meet a lot of people that have a lot of different stories a lot of different expertise and this is one of those um jordan is a investigator and he came up with um a solution to concussions and all types of like honestly death when people are getting hit by baseballs at baseball games um and he is fighting for a better safer way for people to visit and go see baseball games i mean uh, i think that's a good idea i don't want anything to happen to my grandmother or to me if i was to go to a baseball game and get hit with a baseball (laughs) that's just gonna make things a little bit difficult so without further ado uh my boy jordan here hello jordan Hey, Jabari, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much um, for uh, being able to take time to be a part of this show. Um, as I already gave a little brief introduction of what this podcast would be about, um, if you could just give us like, a, like your background, like what got you into this? Uh, what's the origins of this investigation? Yeah, you know, so I'm a native New Yorker and just a longtime baseball fan. I enjoy the game. It's my favorite sport growing up. And it re- I realized for a long time that balls were reaching seats at like really, really high speeds. And there was really no plan to protect the kids. Um, and even adults, they can't really protect themselves. Um, most people like go to the games thinking foul ball and fun. They don't realize that foul ball is also flirting with death and danger. Um, death and danger and death in that particular order. Um, and it is. And most fans really still in 2021 don't realize they could be part of a weekly statistic that nobody really wants to be part of. It could be like going to the emergency room, concussion, crushed face, crushed face, lost eye. You know, I have oh, a lot of research that we'll get into, but I got into it like, uh, I had a couple of experiences that kind of like kind of brought it to my attention. One time I was in Brooklyn, I was outside a game in Brooklyn near Coney Island, a minor league game, and the ball actually came outside the stadium onto the street. It rained onto the street, and the group of people we were with, there was a young child around 11, 12 years old, he got hit in the forearm wow. and without any notice. And that was like, on the street where people were waiting to go into the game or possibly just hanging out, walking past the ballpark. It's a public street. So there was no plan in place to catch those balls before they would hit people. And maybe it could have hit them in the face and it could have been worse damage. 
Um, but then uh, there was another experience I had like in 2006 where it was a Mets playoff game. And the only ticket I could get was like a really expensive ticket. And I really mm. didn't want to go for that kind of money, but I did. And I was like four rows from the field, right behind the dugout. And at the time, there was no netting at all above the dugouts. And if any people that you know are major baseball fans, they know that behind the dugout is a great view, but it could also be the most risky situation. Oh, yeah. And I was nervous for three hours. I was yeah. sitting there with celebrities like Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big game. That's and a great like, guy. Hey. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're big on their show, uh, you certainly <laughs> would have been a thrill. But certainly everyone's focus was a big playoff game. It was actually Mets-Cardinals game six of the NLCS Championship Series, National League Championship Series. Mets actually won that game, and then it, then it went to the next day, game seven, which I actually had gone to as well. And I didn't have as great a seat, but I wasn't feeling as nervous for three hours. <laughs> and um, so those were a couple of experiences. But fast forward to like 2019, um, there was an incident that got a lot of publicity for a few days for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the incident in Houston where a little two-year-old girl got hit really bad. And, oh, and, and there, was a lot, there was a lot of video on it. And it just dawned on me, like, why are children sitting in these sections? And why haven't children been, like, prohibited from being allowed to sit in those sections? And, you know, you'll hear things like, well, we warn the families. Oh, we put up signs. Oh, we make announcements. Right. But even 100 announcements and signs, we're not, we're human beings. We're not a position to protect our children from 100 mile an hour hooking line drives that reach you in a split second. And it doesn't make any sense. Baseball players even say the same thing, that they don't allow their own families to sit there. So they know. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So this is just, yeah, it's not a matter of if something will get crushed. It's when. Right. And, and that's the society that we live in today in 2021 when it comes to the State of the Union in baseball. So wow. there you go. Yeah. yeah, um, that's very telling when baseball players don't even want their family uh, sitting in those areas. Um, yeah, especially in the, when you see the pitching, how's it going? It's I, I would say it gotten even more faster. I don't know if it's steroids. I don't want to use the S word. That's the bad word right, in baseball. Right. But right. <laughs> they are pitching at a very high level. These guys are amazing. Yeah. Um, so they can definitely do some damage and even people that play that are batting could get hit and honestly lose their lives with yeah. how fast yeah. they're throwing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are, so, so you, what are the type of solutions? Do you have any solution ideas to give? Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, just to let you guys know that the way the little girl was hurt, it was yeah. past the end of the dugout. So clearly you knew that you needed to put up nets past the end of the dugout. Right. Now, Houston might have done taken some steps since then. But I did like my own audit this year and last year since I've got involved in this campaign. And I've made hundreds of calls 
to clubs to ask them because there's 30 minor league, there's 30 major league clubs, major league baseball, but they all have affiliates like minor league teams. And, you know, they pay the salaries of these minor leaguers. These are the up and coming players that, you know, there's 5,000 minor leaguers all looking for like seven, 800 jobs. Most of these minor leaguers will not get to their destination, which was the goal, which was to be in the major leagues, but they try for a few years. So these young players are bearing the burden, knowing they could be the next one to do the maiming. So they know to tell their own mothers and fathers to sit behind the nets, but they can't get up on the public address and tell everybody else. So getting back to what I had been mentioning about calling all of these ballparks all over America, I found out in 2021 that at least 42 minor league ballparks out of the nearly 100 that I connected to over the phone told me they had no nets past the end of dugouts. Where did that little Mm -hmm. girl get crushed? Past the end of the dugouts. So, yeah, balls do travel into the seats at over 100 miles per hour into those sections. This this is like 53,000 foul balls a year in Major League Baseball, and they say around 20,000 of them reach the seats, at least some guy who runs this foul ball website. Right. So out of those 20,000 balls, what are we talking about? Certainly more than one ball at 100 miles an hour is going into the seats. So, you know, I mean, how could this continue? It's like a but it's like a building and, and, and bricks are loose and they're waiting for the reinforcement for the cement to come. And then and it hasn't arrived yet. Nobody would be allowed to walk down the street if, books, if bricks are raining down on us. So, you know, I don't believe children should have ever been allowed in any of these sections. And if adults wanted to go almost like, you know, running with the bulls, you can't bring your kid. It should be like a mutual decision. Baseball says, you want to flirt with danger or death? All right, sign here. But instead, it's been, baseball's been protected for years and years because they had this thing with the microprint on the back of the ticket on the e-ticket. So nobody's been able to sue or, well, it's a longer story. We'll, We'll get into that. But getting to your question, what is the solution? The solution, period. I mean, this is, I didn't get to what I was going to say, but here it is. Solution is an independent netting council of architects and engineers with no alliances in baseball, like a regulatory agency's own engineers and architects. They come into every one of these 150 ballparks, 30 major league, 120 minor league, and they know because everything is kept on record how fast the balls go and where everything is kept on record so they after studying the the data they they'll tell us how high how far how wide the nets need to be and then we can all go to the games with our families and say oh look the independent netting council arrived and they hung up a sign that this stadium is maiming free. Have a nice day. Then you can relax at the game. So, and this is only for the dugout area, or you're looking for like no, the whole no. entire stadium? Is, well, it's not. It's it's above my pay grade. <laughs> it's 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 the independent netting council that mm-hmm. tells us and tells Major League Baseball ah. 
they should have known about this since 1970 when Alan Fish, a 14-year-old boy, died at yeah. Dodger Stadium. Jesus. So for the last 50 years, I believe, unfortunately, every one of us who have been to games with our families and our growing children are going to realize that all those good times were under false pretenses. Because I believe if you find out, even if it's 20 years after the fact, that your children could have been part of that weekly statistic, you may look at baseball a little differently than you have. And I think, unfortunately, I will be tainting memories. Sorry, that's the way it is. Yeah. You didn't realize it. I'm glad you didn't get hurt. But if you realize that you could have been part of this weekly statistic, I don't think you would have made a conscious decision. Like I said, families that have a family of four and the kids are four and six years old and eight and 10 years old, if they realized that they could have been part of the hundred mile an hour experience in a half a second, a second, they wouldn't be like, they'd be like, what are you kidding me? How come nobody told me? Cause they right, right. didn't have to. It was about the bottom line. They knew that out of 70 million people, what's a few crushed, what's a few crushed people every year, you know, that kind of deal. And I do have a whole bunch of statistics to rain on you guys. So right. If you want to go there or anything you want to share or, Anything you would like me to share? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking yes. about the naysayers. You know, the people are yes. like, well, you're going to ruin the game because yeah. what if my child catches a foul ball or, you know, they want to take that baseball home with them? How are they going to be able to have a memory? Stuff like that. Right. Well, once people start realizing all the data, because it may not seem like a lot because of 70 million people that go to games, but all yeah. the data that I have, all the children that have been maimed since 2008, Erwin uh, Goldblum, whose wife was killed at the Dodger game in 2018, who's been part of my chorus of people that have shared their stories. Wow. I've had, yeah, I hired a publicist from November 2020 till June of 2021. And if you guys go to Foul Ball Safety now, you'll see... There was some articles, People Magazine, Boston Globe, LA Daily, Time, LA Daily News, and LA Times, mentions of foul ball safety now, which is good, but it's not that long investigative piece that I'm hoping to find. So that's why I'm sort of the self-appointed investigative reporter that's continuing the campaign. Oh, and maybe, some, maybe, maybe somebody who's got a little bit more distribution than me is going to interview me and then you know, make a bigger story, which would be great because then more eyeballs and minds will get onto it. Right. And you no, know, let's get right into it. How many people sure. since, um, how, how far do your research date back of how many people, how many casualties, sure. uh, injuries? Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Give, give us a good uh, grasp on how. Yeah. This is. Yep. So I do have a lot listed at the website at foulballsafetynow.com. There's okay. a major league report. There's a minor league report. And this, you guys can all spend a few minutes on it and you'll see. Right. But the children that I had mentioned, I did a study, not even necessarily a study. I just Googled every state I could find and found foul ball injuries, mm -hmm. plus the ones that I found in existing articles that I come across and just, you know, just recorded injuries that i can find so mm. i found since 2008 at least 43 kids have been seriously injured at baseball games most of those 43 kids 
were recorded from the major leagues. But I do believe possibly since there's three times as many more minor league games and less media that covers the minor leagues, it's possible that there's been a lot of these injuries that haven't gone unnoticed. So I have 43 children documented, mostly from major leagues, that have been seriously injured from 2008 to the present. Um, But maybe the number is three times as many. I don't know. But I'm still trying to find out what I can. Um, It's scary. It is scary. And these are little kids that their families and their parents didn't have any idea that they were going to go to the game and get seriously injured. Two children by the name of Alexis, who've been part of my press conferences, one was four years old when she was injured and one was 10. The four-year-old, who's now 14, very courageous girl, she has been to a few of my press conferences. She interviewed with me for the book. Um, She's got post-neurological issues, and she's 14, and that sucks. And and that happened when she was four. And fortunately for the Alexis, who was 10, uh, and now she's 17, uh, fortunately, she's okay. But she told me it came like inch from her temple. And that could have been a bad ending, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and these are like, why are we having these, thank goodness, they're okay moments in baseball? There should be no room for any of that. Why we'd even mention that it, while a family's attending a game, you hear this too often when people almost get hurt. You know, why are we having these thank goodness moments in baseball? I mean, they shouldn't even be in, in right? Yeah. Why are we referring to like, glad they're okay. What? So that's what I'm talking about with 20,000 balls that are reaching seats. There's plenty of those. Whew, thank goodness they're okay. I mean, did the families know this in advance? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't so, think so either. You know, and if they had any idea that uh, going to the game and, and a foul ball was, you know, going to be anything but fun, they would have been like, what are we doing here? Yes, I definitely so agree. That's just my thoughts. Um, yeah. Hockey, it's yeah. all protected. You're right behind glass. Um, so I, if they can do that for hockey, and hockey, you know, I got hit in the mouth with a puck. I lost a tooth. Wow. wow. I, used to, I used to play back in the day. Um, right. And unfortunately, in my case, like, I got a little lucky because the tooth I lost, it was a baby tooth, but my, mm-hmm. my mouth was deformed, so I don't have a mm-hmm. adult tooth to replace that baby tooth. So I just have a space in my mouth. So Okay. <laughs> So that, Mike, Michael Strahan does, does pretty well for himself. He's got a little bit of a gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. lucky enough to have my gap in the back. I don't have to okay. have it in the front. Yeah, I'm lucky. All right. All right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, yeah. hockey, they have that already. You know, they have, well, so there's already a system they could try to reference off of. Now, no, the hockey stadiums already... are not as big as baseball yeah. stadiums, but. Yeah. There's something to reference off of. Yeah, well, I actually do reference that in my book, uh, but I don't give Gary Bettman too much credit because (laughs) it was nine years before. It was a little girl. I think her name was Brittany in Columbus who unfortunately got killed by a puck. But they Mm. did take action shortly after in the NHL where they raised behind the glass, they even raised the nets really high so the pucks can get into the seats Mm. and, and, you know, at fast speeds. But... I spoke to somebody at a netting manufacturer and she told me 
you know, there's a lot of minor league hockey and some of those places are very questionable. So, yeah. So I don't know. I've never done an audit of all these hockey places where they play all the minor league hockey. Same thing with here in the major leagues. Uh, I found out at least 42 minor league ballparks had no netting pass dugouts. And if you guys go to the website, you'll see, I actually rented an airplane over Peoria and they towed a banner and said, Hey, Peoria nets foul ball safety now, because they were actually hosting games in the beginning of this year with no nets at all above the dugouts. They were the worst of the worst. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, well, for a hundred years, they were doing that. It was only up until about six years ago mm. uh, that they started putting nets over the dugout. But this piecemeal thing, which I'll get into once we get into the legal stuff, right. is not going to save the next child from being made because um, mm. they're only taking half measures. But with the Peoria thing, um, you guys should go to the website as well at Fallible Safety Now. You'll see I produced a video with Tara. It shows what happens when a ball travels. It was a comparison to Peoria that they needed the nets. It showed a ball, uh, the batter hit the ball and it went behind the dugout and it went right between these two guys' heads and it was slow motion. And if it went six inches, four inches this way, that way, that would have been a bloody mess and that would have been the end of baseball that year. But instead, it's a reactionary society. It's not right. a preventive society. What is it? Well, that's, that's, what that's it American is. culture right there. Reaction. You know, it's like, you know, our interest from death, let's go back to eating popcorn. No, <laughs> man. I mean, what is that? But you'll see it. I'm just trying to just I'm trying to just bring home the points right. about it. And right. it's 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 really the state of the union in the minor leagues, as I said, 42, at least no dug uh, at least no netting past dugouts. Where did that little girl's life change? uh you know past end of dugouts hopefully she's feeling better it was two years ago yeah i i i do hope she feel better too that's that sounds traumatizing but it was it was pretty bad at the time yeah now let's talk about the money since we're going to get into legalization and we all know with the legality parts it's always about the money baseball has a high gross um especially in minor leagues what billion dollar business uh, I believe every owner is a billionaire at this point. Yeah, yeah. Every team is worth a billion, and their fan base is huge. There's like 70 million people that go to major league games. There's like 30 million fans that go to minor league games. And there's right. no shortage of, uh, you know, real substantial money. It's yeah, not so, a money issue. So there's a lot of fuck you money that they got, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Has that fuck you money been the greatest defense has has there any been any pushback with people like what were their reasons that they would give if they were against this with with these officials sure well i just believe they just want to keep they know a few fans are going to be injured it's not if but when things get crushed i mean it's just it's there i mean nbc did a study and uh it implied you know four thousand five thousand fans reported to first aid over nine years from 2012 to 2019 seven eight years whatever that is um and how many of them you know had lost eyes and concussions i'm not saying 4500 mm-hmm. but or 5000 uh but you know a lot 
And I know a handful of people whose lives have changed forever. And I believe those people who reported to first aid, some of them are going to find us at fallible safety now, and they're going to give us their impact statements mm. and they're going to be powerful. Um, these people who are hit and injured, they don't watch the game anymore. They, they don't get their bills paid for. They don't, they're bitter at baseball, which they should be. Mm. And they don't even want their children playing baseball. So this lady I interviewed was a teenager in 1979. And later on, when she became a mom, she was relieved that her child didn't play baseball. So these, these souls, how many are there? Hundreds. Who mm. knows how many that have had their lives changed? They're, they need to be welcomed back to the game. And they, the only way that they'll accept baseball's gesture of goodwill is if they mean it. So like right. you're saying, well, we're sorry this happened to you. And even though it's 40 years late, uh, we're sorry. And the reason why you, you, you should accept our apology is because it won't happen to anyone else. That's when the families that I know will be ready to take baseball back. And and because it goes from generation to generation, like right. I said, this lady Jenny doesn't even want a kid years later playing baseball. So these people are emotionally scarred. Uh, last year during the baseball uh, COVID thing, they had the cutouts, and they were hitting cutouts, the the cardboard cutouts. They were they were you know instead of people, they were in the seats, and these people that I know found it to be very insensitive. Um, mm. they did not want this, you know, thing like, oh, hit my cutout. And they thought it was bad taste that mm. they were injured. And here they are, they're making, they're letting, you know, balls hit these cardboard cutouts and then people win a prize. They thought it was in bad taste. Mm. Um, but the only way this is going to end, and I have at my website, foul ball safety now, two petitions. One is to repeal the baseball rule. And once the baseball rule is abolished, then you'll see nets and families being safe. Until now, is then, this just one rule or is it like the baseball rules? Like, like there's like a whole section of rules. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's one rule. And okay. it's more or less, it was created like in 1913. So baseball knew over a hundred for a hundred years that, they could continue maiming people and Jesus. they wouldn't be held responsible for it because this protected them. So people who never ever studied that little microprint, it was on the back of the ticket. And now you got to go searching for it on the e-ticket because it's right. usually not a regular ticket anymore. Um, so you'd have to go searching for it. Nobody sees it. These growing families that are coming to the games, they don't see this. And if they do, it's in microprint, so they don't study it. Imagine right. if that microprint was up on the scoreboard in large letters. Families would be reading it in large letters for the first time, and they'd probably be questioning, are we in any danger? Let me go to foul ball safety now. Oh, my God, mm. 39, 43 kids since 2008 have been seriously injured. Why are we here? Let's get mm. the heck out of here. But they don't want to heighten our assumed risk at the game. Because if you keep it in microprint, it keeps it sort of like not really magnified. Yeah. And you see this in commercials too, like, like especially for prescriptions. They'll either right. talk it real fast or they'll put a like, yes. small ass print 
Under right, right. Well, now Google. they've slowed it down, <laughs> but they show all the beautiful graphics, like that husband and wife sitting in the bathtub. Yes, you know, perfect distraction. Like, <laughs> you, you know, it's like give us all the visuals, and we'll we'll go to our doctor and go get drunk. But years ago, they used to definitely do it speed style for sure. Yeah. Now they just now they just suck you in with the visual. Yep. <laughs> and they, they they and they and they they flow with all the side effects it's like smoking rivers all right, it may cause this it may cause that as well but i get you drift Jamari. yeah yeah that smoking mirrors is perfect they you know they got enough positive imagery you're gonna go for the drug you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now yeah. and we, so we have the rule and you were you were finishing your, your, your statement so the rule has to be changed and what, what else has to be changed well so so and i'll give you some updates and some progress um okay, perfect well definitely the baseball rule and definitely the nets but they go hand in hand so there's two petitions at the website one is to ask for more nets like at all the ballparks mandatory netting uh, and then the other thing is to repeal the baseball rule and 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 the netting will come. It's not going to come in a way where the problem is going to be fixed through MLB because they haven't fixed it, and yeah. they've only put they've only done piecemeal and half measures. It needs right. to be the independent netting council. Sorry, but it's time for the regulatory agencies like with seatbelts. They came in in the 1970s. They took the discretion away from the parents and said, "We just know that kids are getting hurt." And you cannot let your kids roll around the back. They have to be seatbelted. Right. Same thing right. here. They should be saying things like, you can't bring your kid anymore. You don't have the discretion to bring your kid. If you adults want to flirt with danger and death, that's your call. Like you want to go run with the bulls, you can't bring your kid. You know, mm. you want to be a nut and go flirt with the, go run with the bulls. <laughs> go ahead. You know, Is there any um, progress children. they have made so far? Well, I don't go by half measures. I, I'm asked at these press conferences which ballparks are safer than others. It's above mm. my pay grade. I don't want to say this one's twenty percent safer than that one. Right. You don't right. say to your, you don't say to your kid. Well, you know what? Let's go to this ballpark. We're thirty percent safer there than we would be there. If right. families knew that it was any percentage of any danger, shouldn't they know about it prior? And they Definitely. don't think about it. They do not. But that's what I believe the solution is. And I do hope the legal pressure is coming. I'll give you some examples. Yeah, well. what's the legal pressure is looking right now? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of cases pending um, in Illinois and some other places. Um, in Illinois, in a couple of months ago, there was this case um, where the judge came up with this term describing this plaintiff from 2018. Eddie Rybarski smashed in the face at the game. Fast forward a few years later, he's in the courts. Um, he got to the courts, and I'll get into but it's not so easy to even get to out of your lawyer's office because the lawyer will tell you you don't have a case. So right. usually people don't even go forward. But this particular case, he's in the he's in the early he's in the early stages of the court proceedings, or in the middle of the stages of the court proceedings, and the judge says. I'm allowing this case to proceed because of the willful and wanton uh, uh, reference. And willful, wanton, willful, want on, it mm. implied, she's saying that term, which if you Google it and check it out, it implies that baseball knew 
they made a conscious decision only to do the nets to a certain place where they could have actually made it further. So it was almost like they, they knew they could have gone further or higher or wider when it came to the nets. So they made a conscious decision not to go all the way and get it done. And that may open up a whole new can of worms, which I'm excited about. I hope there's T-shirts out there and everyone will know what Wilfa Wanton is because it's implying, which I'm saying, I've already said it on my website at Foul Ball Safety Now, baseball's no different from big tobacco. Big tobacco knew the risks. This is they a knew. question I was going to ask earlier. I'm glad yeah. you're saying this. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So baseball knew the risk. They do. They know it, They know it's foreseeable and predictable. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, this is all this me speculation, of course. Right. But when the when Manfred took the keys from Selleck, who's Manfred's a very smart lawyer. When Manfred took the keys from Selleck, Selleck said to Manfred, you make sure that da- door that door stays shut and those secrets stay secret. That's all the secretive data that has never seen the light of day. Right. Because sometimes in court when the plaintiff is making some progress, that's when the judge may say, okay, it's time to discover what baseball knows. And then, then, then the, and then baseball gets nervous because they don't want to open up that door at MLB and share all the secrets. And maybe those secrets are very revealing. And then families will be like, you know, yeah, baseball, you knew, you knew how many people were going to be hurt. And you disrespected us for all these years. You kept it in microprint and you kept us coming back to the game and distracting us and buying stuff on, you know, making us buy stuff and feel good where we shouldn't have been feeling good. So, you know, I want to suggest and put all that out there because I want people to think that maybe some things I'm saying are accurate, Yeah, but you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I do believe that when, because none of that data has ever seen the light of day. When tobacco got in big trouble, some of that data finally was in the courts and they got in trouble. Right. Because they knew in advance that uh, smoking caused danger and damages. And then they got to, then they had to pay hundreds of millions and billions, whatever that was. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that. Well, I wasn't alive, but I remember that <laughs> reading about it. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's more or less the history. You remember those five guys? I think it was like in the early nineties, all those tobacco guys all right. testified. And then it came back to bite them. Eventually they were, you know, the clock ran out on that industry. And so this is the future for baseball, basically. Well, I you know, I, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying anything specific. I'm suggesting that baseball makes these settlements with these plaintiffs. Usually this is what generally happens. Somebody gets seriously injured or injured enough where it's, they should have their bills paid for, or they should receive some sort of compensation. They'll go to their lawyer and their lawyer usually will say, sorry, I can't help you. You got no case. And then sometimes they'll get a lawyer who takes their case takes their money and says we'll go to court and they go to court and then the judge says in the first round of court he'll say not sorry you don't have a case can't go forward and then sometimes like in the Eddie Rybarski case the case will go forward and the judge will say something like like she just said a few months ago um, which was very helpful this case can proceed 
based on the willful wanton ruling. And the willful wanton is suggesting that baseball knew in advance that the measures they took weren't as good as they should have been. And that's it. You know, it's like, maybe it's suggesting like, you know, you only made the fence two feet high and you knew that pit bull could jump over the fence. Right, and, right, right. you know, and you're liable for that. You know, whatever. I don't know. I don't have good examples right now. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just saying that now, you know, and then maybe that person would say, you know, you should have made the fence higher or whatever because you knew the bull, pit bull, or the dog, or whoever could jump over the fence. But same kind of thing. Um, so it's very exciting. Everyone, please check out the willful wanton. And it's, it's suggesting that the case, should, it's not been proven. It's suggesting, it's suggesting that in the Eddie Rybarski case, the White Sox at the time, the White Sox ballpark, uh, could have done more prior. Mm. And that's, that's going to be an indictment. And at least in the court of public opinion, and that's why I want everyone to study the willful and wanton term and follow that particular case. Um, and uh, yeah, and and uh, I do hope one day that there's the right plaintiff and the right attorney that goes all the way. So when next time a judge says it's time for discovery, let's see what MLB knew in advance. Right. You know, there could be a lot of interesting data behind that door about not only statistics, but their prior knowledge, the people getting injured. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be very interesting. But that hasn't happened yet. That data, you know, whatever's there, how many smoking guns we're going to find behind that door that's right. locked up in MLB. So I mean, this could be know. just like the higher ups, right? Because the baseball players are already like agreeing that this needs to happen. Um, yeah, it's a double standard. It's a double standard. When oh, okay. I just started writing this two years ago, writing self-published articles two years ago, um, you know, I thought that baseball wasn't, you know, baseball players weren't doing enough. Mm. And um, I, I said two weeks into my writing, publishing, whatever, my self-published articles, that any that MLB owners should be forced to sell the team and they should be forced to sell right now. I don't believe they, I think this should be a changing of the guard. Right, I stand right. by that now. I said that two years ago. I say that now. Uh, baseball players, I, I've come to the conclusion today that there should not be any Hall of Fame for baseball players. People may not like that I'm saying that, but I That's a very controversial statement. Sir. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll tell you why. Because these guys supposedly negotiated but i believe it was like tokenism negotiation they asked for more nets but what does that mean mm. if their own families are sitting in a safe environment and majority of fans are not informed that they have this opinion so i did what i can at foulballsafetynow.com right i stacked all the quotes i could find the baseball players and and i said you know, look what this player said. Look what that player says. And it's usually in the aftermath after some little child or somebody gets hurt. They'll say things like, oh, there's no way I allow my own family to sit there. So, you know, I don't I don't believe that uh, there should be a Hall of Fame. These guys have had every opportunity, like Tony Clark, who's the union president. 
for, you know, how many years now? And he was probably a minor league player 25 years ago, one of 5,000 players. And he Mm -hmm. did make the journey and he did make it to the MLB. Mm -hmm. But why isn't the next generation or the last generation of players and union representatives finally making it safe for all the minor league fans and the welfare of the baseball player? Because they know that those young minor leaguers bear the burden knowing they could be the next one to do the maiming. You know, nobody wants to be a group of 5,000. You just hope it's not you that does the maiming, but isn't it sort of like hypocrisy knowing that it could be your teammate or the guy from the next city that's going to do the maiming and your family's informed, but nobody else, but those fans are not, right. You know, that's kind of like a hypocrite, man. And, yeah, so you know what? No Hall of Fame for the baseball players. Sorry. No, no. And the baseball writers, I hold them to a higher standard. Two years ago when I first started writing, I said things like owners should be forced to sell immediately because they had prior knowledge that it wasn't a matter of if things got crushed, but when. Mm-hmm. And then I also said at the time, all those baseball writers and those broadcasters no hall of fame for you either and i reason why i say that is these guys are journalists in new york you probably have 25 full-time baseball journalists and they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them so i call it the baseball baseball industrial complex you'll see it in the (laughs) book yeah 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 so the top of the pyramid is baseball and then below that you have the publishers the broadcasters and the sponsors. Mm. And if guys, you know, understand, I actually, if you look at the website, I wrote a letter to the commissioner. uh, Well, you'll see all the letters in the outreach that I have done. And I, I wrote a letter to the naming sponsor, uh, Caterpillar in Peoria, you know, because they have their name behind Peoria ballpark, Doja Field. And they should know, shame on them for being part of a, an organization that has no nets over dugouts. Mm. And they're the worst of the worst of the minor leaguers. Mm. So I can go on and on. And the broadcasters, too. You know, those guys who talk in the TV oh, booth. Man. Yeah, yeah. They never <laughs> say if that guy gets hurt, you know, he's not even covered for his bills. They don't. The producers don't show. You're right. You know. They don't send down a camera after some beer got crushed to see if everyone's okay. Right. They don't. You know, they could, but they don't. Because then it would tell the reader, reader, it would tell the viewer or listener at home, wow, maybe it isn't such a great environment. It's not a great environment, folks. You can and continue, you will continue to be part of a statistic that no family ever wants to look back on. And those families that I know, those handful of people that have been coming to my virtual Zoom calls, we did about six or seven of them this past year, their impact statements need to be heard. Mm. Yeah. So I, I'm just continuing the journey. And, you know, I welcome anyone joining me or hearing stories from anyone who's ever had that unfortunate experience and um, could talk to me off the record. On the record, I'm working with a professional writer, Brendan, and we can interview you as well for the book. And uh, we appreciate that. Wow. This is amazing. Um, You don't have any enemies. Lastly, you don't have anybody (laughs) trying to smear you. You don't 
because you know things like this comes with a lot of like negative attention as well like you, there's no articles calling you a hack or no i don't think anyone wants right now i remain the undisputed narrative because uh, <laughs> nobody wants to have you if you invited somebody from broadcasting or publishing they won't come or newspapers they won't come because mm-hmm. the newspaper writers you know they see every game of every they see every pitch of every game. In New York, there could be 25 full-time baseball writers. They're journalists, man. They're supposed to be truth-tellers. Right. Now, I got non-baseball journalists or non-baseball beat writers, you know, to write about what I did or doing. But it's only, it only they're only a little bit of a summary of what the issue is. These mm-hmm. guys have, they could have exposed this issue for years. As I said, I have quotes from baseball players. We should gauge some of these broadcasters and journalists, see what they tell their own family about where to sit. They right. know the risks. You know, an illustration I would have would be a bunch of writers sitting in the booth, ball shoots into the seats at 100. The young journalist who's just starting out, his instinct is to go down and see what the heck just went on. Because if, if somebody got, it's part of the game, isn't it? It's, in, it's, it's within the game. Somebody got hurt or maybe not. So their instinct is to get up and go down, but one of the older guys are pulling them back by the belt. Nah, we don't want to know about that. You know? Right. You don't want to know about it? And they fail to convey to their readers. And they fail to band together. And it's just a shame. Even the young players that unfortunately do the maiming, they I feel bad for them, but it's not. it shouldn't be on their shoulders alone about the guilt and the remorse and the feeling bad. It should be right. on everyone. Because yeah. he could have been the next guy. And if the health professional for the team isn't telling him that that day, like, then I believe that's not the right way. It's not the right. He, I think the only thing a healthcare professional could say to the player is two things. Hey, this situation is not right. And if you acknowledge that this situation is not right, you got two to two options. You could quit the game and I wouldn't blame you. Mm-hmm. Or because, you know, who do I wants to go to work where, you know, book bricks are raining down on you know, construction worker, you know, doesn't want to work in a situation where he knows that every few minutes, even for your weeks, who cares? Even if it's every few years. Absolutely uh, right. A brick is going to be raining down on somebody below. They don't want to be part of that. Right. So, so what could the healthcare professional who looks out for their well-being, mental well-being say to them? I don't know. They're team employees. So we got to keep an eye out for that. So the mental health care professional may not be probing too much into it or, you know, maybe minding his own business, if you know what I'm saying. Because the only two things I think they could really say to them is like, hey, this is the situation. We're all in it together. So don't feel bad. It could have been him, you or I that could have done this, you know, injury Uh, or so. You know, don't put it on your own. Don't put it on. You know, don't put it on your own shoulders. It's all of us. Or you know or and you know or you know and so just acknowledging that it could have been anyone it's a dysfunctional situation right and yeah. if the healthcare professional for the team isn't telling them then that and you know then they're not being honest with them but, but if they're honest with them and say you know what this is not a good situation for all of us what are we going to do about it i think the players have two options they could either quit or they could band together with their brothers and say you're not going to take this anymore so right. all this stuff we heard about negotiation and players negotiating for more nets, it's all tokenism. It's never, ever followed through on. 
the only situation, the only way this can be really dealt with is with the independent netting council that comes mm. in, does inspections, tells us, tells us where the nets need to go, how high, how far, how wide. Here's where the kids can sit. Here's where they can sit. Here's where they maybe can sit. But you know what? How about having a first time discussion about this and don't leave it to Jordan Scott with the undisputed narrative? Because if they're not going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. That's what we're doing here right now. Please push back. Challenge me. Say something. They don't want to comment on it. So that's where we're at, man. It's all right. We've got to keep it going. I welcome anyone. I I rented out two airplanes this past year. One over Peoria when they had no netting above the dugouts. Mm -hmm. Go to foulballsafetynow.com. See the commercial I produced that shows the Peoria and it shows the Tampa Bay connection. And then I also rented out an airplane over Iowa. If, if your listeners remember about a month and a half ago in August, they had that Field of Dreams game in Iowa, that whole Kevin Costner thing. Right, right. Staging the fantasy and all this beautiful feel good, all that. You right. know what? My plane said Field of Screams instead of Field of Dreams. Flying over the area where all these, you know, people were like there to have a good, you know, spiritual time. But you know what? It's Field of Screams, NetsFoulBallSafetyNow.com. And all those people that I know, and I'm going to continue to find, all those people's impact statements need to be heard. All these people need to be welcomed back, certainly before 2022's Field of Dreams game, which they plan on doing again because it was a big hit. I believe all these people that I know, and which is only a handful, and how many more with the crushed heads and the, lo- and the lost eyes that I'm do- discovering from those injuries that reported to first aid, and they're going to find our conversation. They all need to be welcomed back to the game. They all need to be taken seriously. They don't need reparations. Uh, even if they get no money, they just want a sincere gesture. They need to be welcomed back to the game. I don't want any former baseball fans feeling bitter because they were injured and baseball couldn't do the right thing. And the only way the right thing will be a real gesture is if there's no baseball rule and there's no, and the netting is, is, is mandatory in places where they need to be. And yeah, these people need to be welcomed back. They need to, you know, people that I know feel bad for 40 years and uh, they need to feel like they want to watch baseball and they should be knowing that they're going back to the game because it's a better game and there's finally integrity in baseball. All the gatekeepers to the game, they just been it's just been their own preservation society. It's been a maiming society. It's been, you know, everyone's been making a dollar and, you know, they're just not, it's, it's almost like a cult. They just, uh, you know, the writers, the broadcasters, the owners, the players, you know, we have a good thing going and our fans are, and our families are safe. So what mm. the heck, but nobody else really knows what everyone else inside the game knows. Mm. We need to all be on equal playing field. We need to have a discussion or right. I will continue to go talking about it and i I appreciate the opportunity like yours like an opportunity like on your platform wow 
you know, this open my this this uh, episode has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. I'm not really a baseball goer. I haven't been to a baseball game in a few years. Um, well, uh-huh. actually, almost a decade. Yeah, but I remember when I last went, I almost got. Uh, well, it wasn't me. My friend almost got hit with a baseball. Okay. Uh, okay. And that was pretty scary. You know, I'm just thinking back on that. And we were like next to where the foul. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it was like a it's a minor league game, so nice. small stadium. Um, we there was a net, but we were like on the side where there was no net. Like we were like next to the net. Yeah. Okay. Zoom. <laughs> Just like that. I want I we need an independent netting council. It's not a rocket science. Right. Uh, it's guys that are not connected to MLB. They're coming in, they're telling baseball, no, 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 no. This is how high, how far, how wide. Right. And yeah, they only had the net behind the pitcher. Well, not not behind the pitcher, but in front of the pitcher. The net was in front of the pitcher. And that was the only net there. Everything else was out in the open. Got it. So it was behind home plate, right? right. More or less. Got right. It. Yeah. I hear you. I, like I said, you know, there's a lot of naysayers out there, uh, but they don't know the whole story. And, um, you know, ESPN did a nice five minute production. Uh, they may have gotten some pressure from MLB for doing it, but there was 750,000 views, 4,300 comments. And you guys check it out. I put it up on my website. It's like, wow. I'm spending some money since this video isn't being circulated anymore. And it was sort of like sitting where nobody saw it anymore. There was no engagement. Mm. Now I'm promoting it again. I'm already into it for four figures. Just spending money trying to promote it because it's aligned with what I'm trying to do with foul ball safety. Now, please check it out, guys. It's a really strong five minute segment on the foul ball issue. And it's in line with what I'm trying to do, but definitely want to make sure I put that information in. Yeah, it's all on the website, everyone. Uh, you please just go. It's on the website, the videos uh, that I just mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it's important to promote this and see this. 80% of those 4,300 were negative, but at least 20% are feeling like what I'm saying is the right thing for the most right. part. And we're trying to get some dialogue going. There was one survey I put up on the website. Maybe there wasn't that many people engaged with it, but ESPN also did a survey that said 78% of the fans were in favor of more nets. I think once fan, people really do know this issue, I think they'll realize that it wasn't done. It wasn't done the right way for the history of baseball. And people can then determine what they think would have been the right way. Mm. And I think it's not only mud on baseball's face, this crusted mud on their face. And that's what's going to be exposed. And they're just doing what they can to avoid the exposure of the crusted mud. That's just my opinion. And, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying I want, to, I want to do what I can to keep on strongly suggesting all these things. Um, and sometimes it costs money. And if right. any of your listeners want to, you know, chip in with me on the next airplane, we need to make more statements. Glad Definitely. to do it. I'm definitely I mean, uh, send or, or that some out. signatures. It doesn't cost anything to sign. Right, anything. right. Get in touch with me. Info or foul ball safety. Now, uh, you know we could talk. We can we could brainstorm. I could hear a story. You knowing somebody who was injured by a foul ball. So I'm I'm open for anything. Here I am. Here we are. We got to keep going. Well, you know, Jordan, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time out, sharing uh, your research and sharing. 
the real harsh truth about how dangerous sports can be and just honestly holding people accountable to try to make the experience safe and better for the attending fans. This is the, definitely some work uh, that needs to be continued to be told about. And I want to thank you so much for allowing one of my, my platforms to be a part of this fight. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Jamari. Thanks again. Right. And I want to wish you a great day. And thank you so much for being on the show. You too. Thank you too. And uh, everybody listening, have a very great, safe day. Thank, thank you, Jordan. Have a good day. All right. We're good. Thank you again.